I'm Harlan Landis. Today on Adulting, Miranda Markwood and I speak about location independence. What is it? Can anyone do it? Is it a middle class privilege? Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan and I'm here with Miranda. Hi. So today we're talking about location independence. A beautiful thing for those who can do it. Um, Maybe a dream for others. I don't know. Let's see. There's a story here um, about the number of people who have telecommuted. Um, uh, Let's see. The year is 2013. So what do you know about this story? Well, basically all it says is according to a research company, Global Workplace Analytics, about 3.3 million U.S. workers telecommuted at least part time in 2013. And now that it's 2015, now that it's... The end of it. It Now that it's toward the end of 2015, it's safe to assume the numbers are even higher because we have the internet, more people are interested in work life balance. And so that telecommuting, I think, is, is sort of getting a little bit higher. And more people kind of want to work from home or even want to work from the beach, maybe. But The question that a lot of people have is, well, that's great for some people, but does it really work for everyone? And can you really just get up and go? That that's the question. Yeah, let's talk about what we mean by telecommuting. I mean, the way I think of that, it's it's you know, you have a job, you work in an office, and the the roles that you have within that job provide at least a little bit of flexibility to uh, perhaps not sit in your cubicle or sit in your office in the same building as people you work with, and maybe um, you know dial in or work over the internet. I mean, there are, you know, lots of techno, lots of different types of technology available. Usually they set you up with a private connection. So, so you can just have a, a secure online connection to, you know, your computer at work or your, your, your server there. If you, if you do a lot of work on the computer, um, or, you know, I think there's still potential to work from home and submit assignments in, in any kind of, uh, you know, traditional way, whether it's uh, just emailing them or um, or bringing them with you when you do go back in the office. And I think a lot of telecommuters also still have to go into the office at least once in a while, whether for it's you know whether for face to face meetings or just to uh, just so the company can kind of keep tabs on you a little bit. Yeah, there are kind of these fine shadings, and and on top of it, you have also another layer of people who work online and who do this online work but maybe aren't employed, are not employed by somebody else. Like, well, like me, I'm a freelance writer. And so I don't have an employer per se. I have lots of clients, but I don't ever have to go into the office. I can do it all online. So I think there's that aspect of it as well, where you do have quasi location independence, where you can telecommute part of the time uh, and then go into the office part of the time. But then you also have some people who work 
they, they never have to go into the office. And then there's actually a rise of people who work for the man, but still uh, don't even have to go into the office on a regular basis. I know that people that work for NerdWallet, um, they can work from anywhere and they're hired. They have health care plans, but they don't have to necessarily work at the NerdWallet headquarters in California. Now, sometimes they have to fly in there, like, I don't know, two, three, maybe four times a year, they have to fly in there. Uh, I recently took a job at a website in Canada, and they want me to fly up to Toronto like once a quarter, just to go in and kind of touch base. So even though there's that element of location independence, you it doesn't always necessarily mean that you don't have any requirements that you have to fulfill. Well, also, I would imagine that at these at these companies, you know, if if your if your primary role is to submit writing assignments, that's something you can do from anywhere. If your primary role is to manage people, or to be an executive, or to report to the board, or to do financial reporting, a lot of times you're going to have to do that from the office. So it's it's not just these companies, uh, you know, that allow creative types to work from anywhere they they these these same companies still function as as actual companies yeah it's so i guess you know the lines of telecommuting are are you know a little blurrier these days because you know are you really an employee if you you know can do all of your work from home and then just submit it um, you know, I, I think that's a freelance freelancer role is is like that. But I, I guess now some companies, are, you know, will see that as employees, uh, you know, working from anywhere, which is great because then you get the benefits. Right. Yeah. That's one of the great things about this sort of new uh, hybrid thing where, like you said, I mean, uh, you read this article from The Guardian and it points out that like Woo Themes, which is a development kind of company, they're located in South Africa, but 80% of their workforce is remote. So they don't have to have somebody working there. You can have people work all over the world and still get the benefits like you were talking about. Every now and again, I'm tempted to work for one of these companies because it's like, wow, to get healthcare, to have, to have health benefits again, how fantastic would that be? And that's one of the biggest things. That's one of the biggest downsides to uh, the freelance lifestyle when it comes to location independence the one of the biggest downsides is that lack of of benefits uh, and the two biggest ones are the health benefit and the employer contribution to a uh, retirement ca- account so those are the two biggest those are the two biggest advantages i think of working for the man is that you have these benefits and if you can combine them into a job where you can work remotely and still get these benefits, you know, that's pretty nice. It's always been a struggle to find the right health insurance when it's not kind of spoon fed to you by an employer. Um, uh, it's gotten easier through the, uh, the national and the state exchanges. Uh, but still, you don't know if your choices are the choices aren't always as good as they traditionally were when you had employer sponsored health care. Um, and in terms of a 401k, if if you fashion yourself as uh, self-employed and contract your business out to, you know, other people uh, as your clients, 
then you can contribute to your own individual 401k, which uh, you're you're providing your own match in that case. Right. Well, and that's, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I don't want to say, oh, you're not going to have a retirement account because you can, you can, I have my own retirement account. But like you said, uh, you're not going to get the match. You're not going to get that free money from your employer. Right. And that's just, you know, another corporate benefit that that you can that that you can have when, you know, if you work for a company that offers it. Not every company is as generous. So, you know, it always helps to look at the entire package. Um, But, you know, a lot of these companies that people that offer these freedoms, these are high tech companies. These are software developers. These are Internet publishers. These are not companies that just anybody would, you know, has the, have the skills for. Are there any good options for people who, you know, perhaps have more traditional skills, um, you know, in terms of them kind of freelancing or working from home or making their own schedule or not relying on a job from a corporation? Well, and that's, I think, where it gets kind of tricky because you make a good point is it's nice. We have kind of this society right now that says, Oh, Hey, just go be location independent, go work from the beach, get your laptop and, uh, and a public Wi-Fi connection and, and just go be location independent. But not like you said, not everybody has that ability. Uh, you, you can't, it's harder to be location independent if you are a mechanic or if you are working in a factory or doing manual labor um, to a certain degree, you can sort of freelance that out. Um, I know, I know migrant workers who just sort of follow the harvest up and down the the Southwest, and they just sort of head north, you know, along the Pacific Coast. They'll like head north up, and they'll work while they can in California. But then during apple harvest up in Washington, they'll kind of move up there and do work up there. But that's, you know, that's sort of a different kind of lifestyle. And some people it works out well, and some people do it because they have to. And it's not something that they would choose. So it just sort of depends on, you know, where you're at. And not everybody has the same uh, skills or freedom or, or options. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be an upper middle class advantage, um, you know, the, sure. the ability to move around freely, the ability to take your job with you wherever you go, to take your skills with you wherever you go. Um, you know, I see it as as a privilege um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy that over the years I've built up skills that allow me to, to work from anywhere. But had I not had any interest in computers and programming and, and writing, you know, perhaps that never would have been an option for me. And I'd still have to drive into an office every day. And I think part of it, too, is, you know, looking at, well, what sorts of things, even if you're not going to be completely location independent and, you know, live all over the world or be a digital nomad or, or whatever, um, I think part of it too is looking at, well, what skills do I have and where are these in demand? Can I move someplace where my specific skills are in demand? So if maybe if I'm not location independent, can I at least maybe uh, find a way to get to where I want to live and, and choose a place where I want to live? Yeah, I think there's some value in having skills that can provide some employment opportunities for you regardless of where you live. So you might not be location independent in the way that we've been talking about where you can, you know, take your work and take it with you and work from anywhere and and provide, uh, provide results to wherever they need to go throughout the world from any location. But 
if you have skills that are needed in a wide variety of locations, you, you have the ability to find a job somewhere. Of course, there's societal um, barriers to just finding a job anywhere you go um, for anything from unemployment to uh, discrimination to cultures that you may not be familiar with if you're going far away. Having skills that translate to a variety of locations is another way of having a little bit of location independence as well. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, because developing skills for for what you want to do or the lifestyle you want to lead is one of the more important things. A lot of the time, I think we just sort of say, hey, let's just see what's available and just work it. And you may not it may not it may be a low skilled job. And it's something that you're not happy doing, but you don't have any other options. So, I mean, part of it, I guess, is looking at it and saying, well, what kinds of skills do translate? And and some of those are, uh, what are some of those skills that translate well? I mean, in in your opinion, obviously, all I think about is like writing because, you know, writing, because that's what I do. But what are some of the skills that you think translate well when you're when you're talking about that? Sure. Well, I think managing people uh, translates well across any type of any type of company needs uh, people who know how to manage people. Uh, We talked a little bit in an earlier episode about dealing with people and those who excel at that can find opportunities in any field, regardless of, of their experience. I mean, if for the most part, if you're a good manager in one field, um, you'll probably be, you know, it, it probably won't be difficult for you to switch to a different industry and continue to manage people in that way. I think uh, financial skills um, translate well um, from industry to industry. Of course, there are different things that you'll need to know about, different financial regulations for different industries, but again, when you have the basic skills, you can uh, and an ability to learn. Uh, you pick things up pretty quickly. You can you can go from being an accountant in one field to being an accountant in another field. I mean, it's not the, the skills translate from industry to industry, and you can find openings wherever you go. Um, I think also uh, being a teacher. People need teachers everywhere. Um, There's a teacher shortage right now. Um, Of course, it's not the most glamorous job, but a lot of the jobs that we talk about aren't glamorous at all. You know, still it's a skill that's that's in demand. And uh, if you have the credentials, if you have experience teaching in one field, yeah, chances are good that you can figure out how to teach in another field. That's an interesting point, though, you make about teaching or or choosing choosing a job that's kind of in demand everywhere. You talk about a teacher shortage. Uh, there are also plenty of healthcare type positions like physician's assistants, uh, medical technicians. Those kinds of jobs uh, don't require a huge amount of schooling to, to get them, but they are in demand right now, especially in rural areas. Sure. And if you can do it in one location, chances are good you can, yep. you know, succeed in another location. I think I think that's a that's a strong it's a, it's a it's a more accessible piece of of location independence, I think, for most people. So when you're starting to try and find where you want to live or try and move to where you want to go, I mean, what sort of things do you consider? I mean, what do you what do you want to look at? In terms of location, there, there are a lot of a lot of criteria that, you know, it's up to you how you want to weight them and how important they are to you. 
But for me, you know, I like the culture of an area. I like living in an area that has some culture um, nearby. I like, uh, you know, having arts and music. You know, that's that for me. That's that that's culture. Um, and there are so many great places within this country and outside of this country that you know that would satisfy that criteria. Uh, those criteria. It's helpful to know somebody uh, when you move to a new area. I haven't really ever lived in an area where I haven't known anybody. So that's kind of an unknown for me. That's something that I would consider when thinking about somewhere to move. Uh, Ease of communication is important to me. Um, I speak only one language fluently, um, several languages uh, much less than fluently. So I could probably get by in some places. But, you know, in terms of making a life for myself, I'd probably need a lot of English speakers nearby. I think that's a good point. A lot of the time when we think about location independence, and we're like, I'm going to tra- travel the world, be a digital nomad. I'm going to go sit on a beach in Thailand or climb the mountains in Peru and do this all while I've got this, you know, while I'm while I'm living independently and running whatever online business it is that I'm running. But we, a lot of the time we forget about some of the cultural things. If you're going to some of the most remote areas and if you're looking for someplace that's inexpensive, I think cost of living can be a big thing, mm. especially if you don't have like a real job. Cost of living really matters. And when you start getting into these more remote areas, it's going to be harder to find somebody who speaks English and speaks your language. And so if you're really going to integrate, you, you need to be careful and be aware of that. One thing I was really grateful for when I was an exchange student in Austria is that they were really nice to me when I tried to speak German, but uh, I really appreciated the large amount of English speakers because there were times when, um, when my limited grasp of the German language was just not going to cut it. And, you know, since, since then, of course, I, I've taken some college classes and I'd love to go back, but that's a really good consideration. And when you're doing location independence is, do you understand the culture? Are you going to be able to manage in the culture uh, and can you speak the language and communicate? It's, it's a great experience to adapt to other cultures as well. You know, uh, we had talked about this in another previous episode. Um, you know, learning about uh, cultures can open your mind and see, uh, help you see things from a different perspective. But you did say something earlier that I think was really important we haven't really touched on yet, and that is the cost of living factor. Um, right. I think that, you know, if, if, if you are making your living online, for instance, um, you know, perhaps you're, uh, you're a freelancer for financial publications or, or, or you, you design software or you do anything else that you can do from the comfort of your home, of your own home or in front of a computer screen, wherever you are, or even not a computer screen, you know, maybe it's, uh, yeah, maybe it's a pen and paper really, you know, if you have a salary that doesn't change regardless of where you live, then I think it makes sense uh, to live somewhere where that same amount of income can go farther. You know, if you if you earn $50,000, regardless of where you live, because you're working online, uh, but you choose to live in New York City, you're going to have a much tougher time affording a certain, you know, whatever lifestyle it is that you want, than if you earn $50,000 online and live out of, say, I don't know, Idaho. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, that's part of the reason why. I mean, I love Philadelphia. I really enjoyed living in the Philadelphia area. I liked it there. And 
probably could have made it work if if I had you know changed my lifestyle. I probably could have stayed there. But uh, the loss of another income, especially the income that was you know the fun money and providing for for the lifestyle that we were living in Philadelphia, the loss of that income really kind of meant that I did have to decide, well, do I want to stay here and like either work more or cut back on my lifestyle or do I move to Idaho where, where I know people, right? Where I know my parents, where I know people and where it costs a whole heck of a lot less Um, and we can maintain our lifestyle and even, even actually even experience a lifestyle upgrade. It's Mm. been, it's been crazy. Um, cost of living matters a lot. And I know other people who decide to move to places that not only have a low cost of living, but maybe have lower taxes or don't charge certain taxes or that have a good environment for the kids or access to Well, and you were talking about access to activities. Um, it is a bit of a letdown to come to Idaho from Philadelphia. It kind <laughs> of is, <laughs> but, but I did get to go to the ballet a couple of weeks ago and that was fun. And they usually have, they have, there's a symphony here and there are all sorts of acting companies and, I haven't lived here for 17 years and I was pleasantly surprised to find that, uh, yes, there are still chain restaurants, but there are a lot of not chain restaurants. There's some new restaurants that are really pretty decent. So I was pleasantly surprised. Sounds great. You know, I think one of the reasons that the cost of living is high in certain areas is because a lot of people want to live there and a lot of people want to live there because those areas have something uh, something special to offer. I, I mean, you know, New York City is basically the capital of the world, at least from an American's perspective. And that might not be the case if you're if you're Euro- European, you might think Paris is the capital of the world, and that's fine. That's understandable as well. But the cost of living in Paris is also very high. Um, so, that, so there you go. I mean, I think it all has to do with what a city has to offer uh, culturally and uh, historically. That that all goes into this um, this cost of living and. And people who choose to live there accept the fact that the cost of living is higher and they're willing to make sacrifices in order to make it work. Yeah. And I think that that's that's sort of where you have to start looking at the trade-offs. One of the things I do like living here about living here in Idaho Falls is that the cost of living is so low that if I do want to travel and you know I'm planning a big trip back east for Christmas, if I do want to travel, I can afford to travel pretty much wherever and however I want because of how low my regular cost of living is here. And for other people who are who really uh, love the location independent lifestyle, uh, whether they're digital nomads, whether they're hybrid and, and telecommuting, or even whether they're just looking for a job. Um, I have a friend who is in her third year teaching English in Mongolia. Hmm. So she chose, she wanted to live in Asia. And so it's not, you know, it's not like location independence in, in, is in tomorrow. She can get up and, well, she probably could. She could probably go teach in Taiwan if she wanted. But uh, she wanted to live in Asia and she decided that she would teach English. And so she gets, so she's living in Mongolia and she has a low cost of living. This is her third year doing it. She absolutely loves it. And so it's not so much location independence as in her job is something where she could just up and go someplace else tomorrow. Like I could, but at the same time, 
she gets to choose where she lives because of her skill set. It goes back to what we were talking about before. Sometimes location independence isn't just about being able to go someplace new every month to live, but sometimes it is about being able to choose where you live. Yeah, the, this is definitely choice is a privilege here. I mean, you know, just, oh, just yeah. thinking about, you know, people and families who are struggling to live on, you know, the salaries that they have or the or their wages that they have and and, you know, living paycheck to paycheck or worse, they never had the opportunity to learn skills that would help them break into the middle class. Um, they were always they, understandably focused on doing whatever it takes to earn money right away so that they could feed the family. When you're in that situation, it's it just becomes a question of, well, well, how do you break free? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if we have all the answers yet. Um you know, I think a lot of it comes from putting some faith and some respect of education into um, the next generation and and giving them what they need, uh, the support that they need, both from the family and from society at large so that they can come back and and help the older generation kind of, uh, you know, along and, you know, generation generationally kind of improve from one to the next. When you look at the world from that perspective, it makes it, it makes this idea of living anywhere, you know, doing anything you want and just picking up and leaving. Right. Uh, it's it's a dream for a lot of people. Um, and right. a lot of people don't even realize that there's a potential for that out there because they're focusing so much on what they need to do day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute to feed their families. Yeah. So when you start thinking about location independence and trying to decide how to choose where you want to live, I think there are some things that you kind of have to do first. And so I think one of the first things to do uh, is to perform a skill audit. So do you have the skill set, first of all, to be location independent? So, so what would that look like? I mean, what, what, what are the specific skills that you think would, uh, that helps someone be location independent? Well, just, just take a look at what you can offer and what you have. So for some people, if you've got a skill that's what you were talking about before, kind of in the creative arts, if you write, if you can do web design, if you can program computers there, you know, if you can do that kind of thing or, um, any sort of work like that is, is going to be ideal for looking for a job that allows you to telecommute. If you have the transferable skills like you were talking about, like managing people or teaching a skill or problem solving, these kinds of things, uh, then you can probably choose where you want to live. You, you know, you may not be able to be completely independent or telecommute or do consulting. Well, maybe you could consult, but, um, but you might be able to look and see, um, you know, those are the kind of skills that you can say, well, these are transferable. Maybe I can choose, choose where to live. Or if you have like, or if you have a skill that's going to be in demand somewhere, like a mechanic, uh, th- there's probably a lot of demand for mechanic in rural areas that don't see a lot of mechanics. Or uh, I know right now, a lot of, if you're, if you don't mind living in a rural area, with a nice low cost of living, there's a real physician shortage. So if you're, you don't even have to be a doctor, if you're a nurse practitioner or something like that, you probably have the skills to choose where you want to live and still have a nice lifestyle. So look at, look at what you're capable of and then see if it matches up with what, you know, what you might be able to find someplace else. 
So, um, and if you don't have those skills, um, uh, maybe thinking about some, some that you would like to have and then do some research in terms of what you need to, what steps you need to take from now in order to acquire those skills. Um, and maybe that's going to take some sacrificing of time in some other area. Uh, but if you see location independence as a goal, figure out what you need to do in order to gain some skills that would, uh, some of the skills that we talked about and, uh, write down some steps in terms of what it's going to take to acquire those skills. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I have, um, a friend of mine who wanted to be able to, uh, drive trucks. You know, he took a look at what needed to be done and he found out that, you know, there was a two month course and it wasn't hard. It, it was a little expensive, but not out of reach. And there was a little, there's a little bit of financing help available. And so he did that in the uh, evenings after he had a full day of work, he went in the evenings and did the training and now he's a truck driver and he gets to go all over the Northeast and he, he likes doing it. Yeah, that's that's a great job for someone who likes to travel, that's for sure. Yeah, so I mean, you know, research what it takes and then figure out, you know, how you can make that happen, make that plan, whether it's night classes, whether it's, you know, getting a student loan so you can go back to school, whether it's, you know, arranging, whether it's moving back in with your parents and arranging childcare. Um, I know my sister did that when she went back to school. You know, it just really kind of takes looking at it and researching and figuring out what's practical for you. You know, in terms of finding that location that might be right for you, um, you know, I think uh, you're going to the best idea is to research different locations and figure out what's what what matches your lifestyle. And this is really interesting because uh, I this is what I need to do because I (laughs) I haven't decided that I'm going to, you know, I've been saying that I wasn't going to stay in this area and I've been saying that since college, but I'm still here. And that was, uh, 15 years ago or more. The best way to do that, to do this research is to actually live for a short time in various locations. And if you have the flexibility to do that, then, you know, by all means get started and then maybe you'll find a place that you like enough to settle down more permanently. Yeah. You know, not everybody can just, like you said, I mean, not everybody can just, Hey, let's, you know, let's, let's go on a you know, extravaganza where I just live places for a while. Um, not everybody could do that. So part of it too, is just saying, well, what are the most, you need to look down and say, well, what, what are the top, you know, what are the top three priorities for a new place to live and then start your search there and, you know, just kind of, you know, go to the library where they've got free internet access. Um, if you don't have it at home and just start looking at locations that you think might match your priorities. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, so we have one question from listeners. We go out and we ask uh, questions on the topics that we plan to talk about. And here is the question. And I think, Miranda, you're probably best suited <laughs> between the two of us to answer this. But how can you be location independent when you have other family members uh, like kids who rely <laughs> on going to school or having, you know, and, and even if, you know, there's always the option of jumping from school to school, but if you want to provide them a consistent experience, it makes it, it makes it difficult. Yeah. So this one's a little bit tougher Um, (laughs) because I mean, I do have a son, he's turning 13 and um, I think it's important for him to be able to have some stability, have, 
you know, make some good friends and then be able to participate in extracurricular activities. And so for me personally, um, for me, it was my location independence was more about looking for a place where he could have that support and where we could be stable for the next six years until he finishes school. So I picked a place, I picked Idaho Falls, which is where I grew up, uh, because my parents are here and they can help provide some of that stability. And also, uh, because, you know, we can, we can live in a neighborhood that's close to the school and, uh, he can do that. And it's small enough that he can do a couple extracurricular activities and probably excel and enjoy himself while he's becoming a well, well-rounded person. So for me, the location independence was more about choosing where to live. Other people I know actually choose to um, homeschool and maybe even homeschool for a short period of time. So there's there are some strategies where you can say, well, during their elementary school years, uh, it's okay to move around a little bit more or to homeschool them through these elementary school years. And we'll go ahead and go on this, you know, two year tour of the world and be location independent while they're younger. And then when they get older, we'll settle down. We'll look for a place that we think is ideal where they can have a little more stability and kind of put down roots. So it sort of depends on what your own personal, personal feelings are on uh, raising children and where you want to go with that. Uh, I could never homeschool. I think you know, if that's something that you do and that works really well for you, I know lots of homeschooling families and it, it's a great arrangement for them. I could never do it. I, I just, I don't have the temperament or the, <laughs> or the interest. And so I just know uh, my son and I both need him to go to school. And so, so that does kind of change your choices when you have children or if you have a life partner, um, that has a different idea of what they want to do, that changes your choices. And so you have to really think about how that's going to work practically speaking with your family and with your priorities. And sometimes it's also going to require a degree of compromise. Uh, I mean, in my situation, my life, as far as how I want to live and choosing things got a little less complicated because now there's one less person involved and it's just me and my son and I'm the adult. So I'm in charge. So that makes it a little less complicated, but the more people that are involved, the more complicated it's going to get and it changes your choices and you may have to compromise and change the way you do things. Being single certainly affords you a little bit of flexibility that other people don't have, um, uh, whether they're married or they have people they need to take care of, um, children or otherwise. So I think, uh, it's great to take advantage of that flexibility while you can. Um, uh, and I think we've seen, a generation of people doing that a little bit more than in the past. Uh, in terms of millennials, I think uh, they're marrying later, buying houses later. And a lot of that has to do probably with a little instability that they have in their personal lives in terms of, you know, getting started on a career, um, right. coming out of the recession with, with low employment and other financial issues. It's been a little more difficult to, to settle down in the same way, you know, prior certain prior generations have. Uh, but you know, if, if you do have the flexibility, taking advantage of it while you can is, is probably a good way to go. Definitely. Well, that's all the time we have for today. So thank you for listening today and check us out at adulting.tv and join us again next week. Thank you for listening to Adulting. 
Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.